Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider, Axness. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproofed handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescueman, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets, the litters, and of course, the most popular hook in all helicopters, the D-Lock. The team at LSE will cut bend, sew, weld, and machine these products into existence every day. We do our work so you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at rescuegear. That's at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With the certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 is also partnered with Petzl 
to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR-3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. So our next guest coming up is a bit of a Coast Guard rescue swimmer legend. And I say that because he is the very first Coast Guard rescue swimmer. And I am totally pumped to have him on. He brings us stories about before the rescue swimmer program, during the building of the rescue swimmer program, while he was a rescue swimmer, and into the rest of his career, which is pretty much stemmed and based from being a rescue swimmer. It's pretty awesome. Uh, we didn't touch too much on him going through rescue swimmer school specifically, mainly because he already talks about this in another podcast called The Rescue Swimmer Mindset. So if you get a chance to go listen to that, you'll get a in-depth like training aspect for him and what he went through as a Coast Guard guy in the Navy Rescue Swimmer School as Rescue Swimmer number one. So please welcome our next guest, United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number one, Mr. Steve Ober. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. Today I've got with me the man that made it all happen. The number one, the numero uno. Mr. Steve Ober, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer, number one. What's up, Mr. Steve? How are you, buddy? Wow, that was quite the introduction. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity, man. I'm excited. Dude, I'm, I'm stoked you're here. Like, like literally the number one. It's, ah, it's, I'm stoked just to be talking to you right now. It's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, it, a good time. I had nothing but opportunity in the Coast Guard. And, you know, this is just uh, one of the opportunities that uh, boded well for uh, not only the time, but uh, my future later. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good time. Yeah, it kind of set this precedence. It's a, everybody we've talked to, all of us swimmers, like going through swimmer school and, and this whole brotherhood just set the precedence for the rest of your life. It's like game on. So, and God, there's so much truth to that. You know, it, it comes back uh, while my wife hates it. You know, I mean, I, I used to have a you know pretty nice love me wall and it's pretty much in a box in the attic. Yep. Um, I have a shadow box that's allowed to be out. And uh, my uh, letter from the commandant is being the rest, first rescue swimmer. Other than that, it just doesn't come up. Um, my son is far more infatuated with it than I am. Um, you know, so like I said, but an integral part of my life and uh, ultimately su success going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm all about it. Hey, this has been one of the greatest moments of my life. You know, my, the hardest thing I ever got through was swimmer school. So I, uh, I wear that feather in my cap proudly. So. It's no a, and the school you guys went through was way different than what I did. You know, I'm oh. not sure I'd make it through what you guys do now. Um, I call bullshit you know. all day. There's a bullshit flag on the field. It's on. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, 
you know, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Our time was, uh, it was a good time. Kelly Gordon and I, uh, it was a unique experience. Right on, right on. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, for those that don't know you out there, if you don't mind, just kind of give a little background about who you are, how you came into the Coast Guard, and yes, how you became rescue swimmer number one. <laughs> well, uh, shoot, I was, uh, I guess, coming into the Coast Guard, I uh, went into uh, enlisted for boot camp and delayed entry, uh, shoot, 1978. Um, the gist of it was, is, uh, I wasn't the athlete nor the uh, scholar that I thought I was in high school. Um, so my parents uh, made me an offer I honestly couldn't refuse. They said at the end of summer, uh, hey, uh, you're moving out, so you can either join the military or uh, move out on your own. But either way, you're going to move. And part of this was because uh, my dad at the time uh, had been diagnosed with colon cancer. And in the late 70s, it was pretty much a kiss of death. You know, it was yeah, just yeah. a long, arduous, uh, you know, piece. And so uh, they wanted to make sure their uh, son, uh, who grew up in uh, Carmel, California, um, who went sailing and, you know, understood the life of uh, a small uh, tourist town uh, in the uh, middle of California, didn't end up like the hippies you know, living there, uh, <laughs> living outside somebody's house, uh, you know, eating whatever food came across. So uh, they literally changed the locks uh, on the doors, um, you know, a couple <laughs> months before I was supposed to go to make sure I fully understood what was going to happen. Um, and so how it came about is, as I said, my parents, uh, we grew up on boats. Uh, my parents lived there. My father had a couple of boats, uh, more into cruising, you know, um, and then I got into a little bit of uh, bay racing, ocean racing, and, and, and I loved it. But one of the things I used to see is uh, Station Monterey, which Alavella was at, excuse me, Olaf, um, would come in on their 44, and there'd be a bunch of dudes all with beards, wearing their hats, cruising in on the 44 to check out the uh, uh, marina. And then when push came to shove, I was like, I could do that. How hard could that be? Um, so... Uh, <laughs> We, we went to the recruiter um, and, uh, you know, I was the ideal candidate. I was dumber in a box of rocks. Didn't ask a lot of questions. Scored well on an ASVAB test or whatever it was we did at the time. Um, and then, you know, signed up for a boot camp. Um, and then, shoot, July 3rd, um, the recruiter uh, pulls up, an old crusty uh, chief petty officer. Um, we get in his car the door's locked, right? So it's even back in the day, it was like a police cruiser where uh, they go down and you can't open the door, you're done. And I got in the car and I'll never forget him going, hope you don't have to go to the bathroom because we're not stopping. It was, then I had the, then I had the aw shit moment. Um, what have I done? Um, and I was angry at my parents, uh, you know, I'll never write, you'll never hear from me again, you know, because I, I, it was a done deal. Oh, oh so this is hilarious. Long, I, I actually feel out. bad for you right now. And, and, and at the same time, I'm just laughing at you. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but this set the stage for everything else. Uh, but anyways, so we'll go on. So uh, I go to Alameda. But one of the things uh, my recruiter tells me, this is, I still think hilarious, is uh, he was like, hey, do you play football? Or I was talking about football or whatever. And to be honest, like I said, I, I suck no matter what happened. But I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh. When you get to boot camp, you tell one of the instructors there that you want to play football and they'll let you try out for the team. Yeah, uh, hmm. that wasn't exactly the case. So I did go. I did ask. 
error in judgment. Um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, there was no football team. I, I, I was, yeah, that was pretty much humor. Um, I guess it was his last uh, hurrah to this dumbass kid who's uh, going off to boot camp. But I get there the first three days, my hair's down on my shoulders, right? We're in the pool doing all the stuff that we're supposed to do in green fatigue, not able to take a shower. You were a train wreck, right, at that point in time. And there was no escaping. It was just constant, you know, uh, out on uh, what we call the grinder, playing a dead cockroach, you know, arms and legs up in the air for hours, looking for that mysterious fifth penny, which, you know, there were no pennies out there, um, you know, in the middle of the night, just, you know, pure abuse. But um, I saw that there was uh, what they called honor company. And so uh, it was not only a band and, uh, you know, guys spinning rifles. And I was like, I can do that. Um, so I, okay, fudged my experience and my expertise and might have implied I could play an instrument. I couldn't. Um, and, but I figured, hey, the drums, how hard could it be? So uh, I went and tried out and it, it was ugly. All right. But again, I had another chief and I think, you know, this is so long ago, he was just so taken back that I had the stones to go, hey, let me give this a whirl. He let me stay. So uh, I started first playing the bass drum, you know, banging the sides. Right. And he would nod to me every time I was supposed to supposed to hit the drum. Well, I wasn't so good at that right? because we're out in public displays. And, and then he and then he pushed me to the symbols, which was easier. Not only less movement, right? He could definitely shake his head. I had a second delay, and I could whack those things together. Um, so oh, I, I did great. that. I, I got into Honor Company, right? Um, so I was in what was called Oscar, and then uh, you started doing that. But to be honest with you, I, I sucked at it, and then. One time when I was out there high porting, I might have spent some time uh, moving my uh, M1 around, uh, running in a circle, saying how much I love being there. Um, I uh, uh, they saw I had ability to spin my rifle around and all that. So then I got a chance to spin rifles, and then it kind of took off from there. So the rest of the time I was uh, in honor company. But one of the cool parts is we were the only group because I think it was. I think boot camp was 16 weeks there. Maybe it was 12. I forget, right? But we were the only people. We went to Seattle Seafair. So they loaded us up in a C-130. So get where this is going, right? So I got to see, wow, the Coast Guard's got aircraft. Oh, now. <laughs> um, so anyways, we go to Seattle. We won't get into this because this is a PG-rated show, right? Um, but it could be we, R. We got... You could make it R right now. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying. I'm just. We had. Uh, uh, we got Cinderella Liberty. So at the time we were able to go buy clothes. So I don't remember what it was. I've got a pair of skin tight white pants and it's skin tight, like blue shirt. Cause Oh my God, we were thin as rails, you know, working out all the time cruising around Seattle. So uh, yeah, interesting time. So we got a chance to escape. Um, and then there's nothing to do with the rescue. That, and I am so, I nothing. just want to hear the story that goes behind it. Cause I know it's good. It, uh, well, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh yeah, yeah just, I'm not going to go yeah. into it because yeah, <laughs> my, my family might listen to this. So we're going to uh, let it go. But, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, it was interesting for young 18 year olds who'd been cooped up for a long period of time. Um, but none of us got thrown out and we all made it back home. Bonus. 
Well, which leads us to the next part. So we finish all this up. All this is cool. Um, boot camp in the late seventies. Uh, it was pure harassment. I mean, they, yeah, it just was, you know, it was physical. They banged you around and uh, it just, you know, it just what it was. Um, but the cool part out of this whole thing, if you were in an Oscar company, while you still stuck with your original uh, entrance company, you got 50 extra points for being an Oscar. So um, when it came up to pick billets, there was only two uh, billets at a small boat station. Uh, one guy, uh, Kenny Grimes, who was number one in our class, he got the first pick, he took it. And then Steve Ober, who was towards the end of the pack, right? Uh, got 50 extra points, so I became number two. So I picked the other billet at a small boat station, and I went to Oswego, New York, on Lake Ontario. Nice. So uh, much every everybody else got underway on a cutter. <laughs> there was no guaranteed A school. There was nothing. So I was like, yes. Um, so that's how it started. And then uh, I went off to uh, uh, Laker, or, or excuse me, to uh, uh, Oswego. Funny thing is, there's an Oswego, New Jersey. So again, showing my academic prowess, I honestly thought I was going to New Jersey. So I took a surfboard. So <laughs> I show up at a lake, Lake Ontario, with a surfboard, and I got to meet the chief. Mm, fun time. <laughs> what are you right? going to do with that there, buddy? <laughs> well, yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, but, you know, Oswego turned out great. I uh, got a chance to uh, become a coxswain. Uh, I actually became a one of the golden boys, you know, from the chief, uh, where we rode him around, but again, the rules were different. We, uh, we would take the small boat to an Island, uh, in Lake Ontario with his buds and, uh, we'd go deer hunting. Oh, right? cool. I'd sit on the boat, wow. he'd bag it, he'd bag a deer and we'd bring it back. That gives you, it was just different then, you know? Um, yeah. um, and chief, that's, he was God. We used to, uh, we were on Oswego, more snow per capita anywhere else in the United States. Right. Um, we would be out there shoveling to get to the flagpole because, you know, we're raising a lower in the flag every day, literally shoveling. And I remember thinking, I can't believe the government can't afford snowblowers. Oh, we had them. Chief had them. <laughs> so you got it at his house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was either confirmed or denied. Yeah. You know, he, he wanted to make sure we were in, in shape. And he also but wanted to make sure they were in tip top condition and work for every storm. I, Hey, exactly. protecting government it, property, keeping you away from us younger guys. I get it. <laughs> and how we knew it, I remember when Chief uh, ultimately made senior chief and uh, transferred, he brought them back. That's what how a we nice knew. guy. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Oswego, was, it was awesome. Like I said, I'd never been to LA. I came from California, so the snow was uh, absolutely uh, incredible to me. I had never seen so much snow in my entire life. Um and the station, we'd pull all the boats, except for Ice Rescue, in the wintertime. So the 44 had come out, the uh, 41 had come out, and all we had was a little Ice Rescue skiff. We did did nothing but radio walk. Wow. So, anyways, nonetheless, so I'm striking SNBM. Uh, I was a coxswain, did all those great things. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, but my chief's position was the only way was underway. And from my previous story, you figured out that wasn't exactly the path I wanted to run down. Right. Um, so uh, I said uh, at the time, if you were an SNBM or striking, you could go to the top of any A school list. Right. And anybody obviously went before you would bump you, but you would bump all the regular non rates that you know, weren't striking anything else. So uh, my position at the time was, well, what's open? Turns out 
aviation survival in school had the shortest wait list. Hey. So uh, now survival at the time, it was not swimmer school either. Right. Cause that was just parachute uh-huh. packing and yeah. go and inspection of, of uh, survival gear. Yeah. We went to yeah. Lakehurst, New Jersey, um, Navy school. And basically it was a combination of uh parachute rigor and uh, aviation ordinance. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so we learned all the Navy, you know, type, uh, you know, pieces um, again. And I think it was a 16 week school. Um, I was in class with uh, Marty Rothwell, Bobby Yaw, uh, you know, a bunch of different guys. Again, good times. But the Coasties were kind of set apart only because uh, we didn't have to do all the stuff. Like, for example, ejection seats, ballistic spreading guns, and spread the parachutes out and all that. We didn't necessarily uh, have to learn all those things. Um, and then, again, come back to opportunities. Since I was an EMT, I would be sent to the jump zone to be the medical guy. Oh, cool. So, um, nah, not so much. Only oh. because I got the first chance to see when uh, parachutes malfunction, right? And got oh. to come in smoking hot. And uh, I used to, uh, my analogy for that, it, it was literally Wiley Coyote. So oh. it looked exactly like that. Um, I'll live through it, but some broken up, you know, a couple times broken up people. Um, Dang. But barring all that, again, good times. Somehow I graduated. Um, one of the prerequisites was the first parachute you ever packed right? Which I think was an NBA, might've been, whatever. It was a basic bulletproof backpack. You put it in a hefty bag, not a joke with your name on it. It went up on a shelf. And in order to graduate, you had to make one premeditated free fall jump from 3,500 feet with your parachute, right? <laughs> Everybody, and that was, a pre- you signed a page seven saying, I, I acknowledge this is a, you know, what you have to do to graduate. So uh, we did that. So another funny story, typical Steve Ober, we're out there, day of the jump, it's a little windy. I'll never forget, it's funny who you don't forget, I had a uh, gunning sergeant named Broadhead who's the jump master, right, Marine. Um, we're up in, I don't know what it was, but anyways, we're lining up. Um, I was the heaviest, which at that time, if I weighed a buck 70, I'd be really surprised. But anyways, I was the heaviest, uh, Marine was behind me. We go up to the door, right? I'm standing in the door. The light goes on. He's screaming, go, well, guess who froze? So I did. And this little <laughs> SOB, honest to God, put his foot in my back. Next thing I know, I'm hyperextending all my limbs going out the door going, what just happened? So that MO, you know, MF, right? I'm free falling. All I'm remembering is, oh, what did they say? Okay, count to three and pull. One, 1,000, two, 1,000. Woof, out comes my parachute. Then it was all cool. Well, all right, so it gets better. Turns out it's pretty windy. A Marine named Craig Fail, funny what you remember, um, was out right behind me. So the jump zone is in Lakers, New Jersey. It's a mile by a mile. It's a giant jump zone, right? Well, yeah. it was so windy, we missed it. I landed in a cranberry bog along with my <laughs> young Marine friend. So I did my first water landing in oh. a cranberry bog in the first parachute I ever did. True story. Oh my gosh. You can't make that shit up. No, you can't. <laughs> um, so that's how it started. And you so were rescued. I, yeah, I that, that's that's almost like out. that's the beginning of a rescue story. Somebody had to come get you. Right. Um, so nonetheless, uh, and that was the truth. They had to come and find us, tell us how to get out of the bog. And I remember Gunny Broadhead too. And, you know, I, I'm probably expanding on this or whatever, but he was screaming at us because we didn't bring our parachutes back. Right. Well, the young Marine was like, he went back to go get his. 
I wasn't so inclined, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I'd already graduated. I, I was like, I'm done, man. Dude, this is it. You can't do anything. I'm not going to get it. Cool. So there you are. You graduate from parachute, Navy parachute. Yeah, from PR school. Uh, I, uh, from there, I went to uh, Air Station San Diego. Oh, my God. What a dream job. Um, so they, I go there as a young third class, um, became an H3 flight mech, um, loved it, loved flying in H3s, and, you know, sunset flights and, you know, uh, I, I, you know, just, <laughs> just incredible flights. That is an uh, aircraft I really wish I had been able to fly on. I didn't fly on the H3 or, or the, uh, the 52, right? No, 52, uh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. H52. Yeah. And I did that next. And Alex said, we can jump oh. into that, but, um, uh, San Diego was awesome, but, one of the cool parts, I uh, met one of my uh, you know, best friends ever, a guy named Bill Bradley. Um, eventually, we got to the point where uh, we were able to live off base. So we lived in Ocean Beach in, in uh, San Diego. We lived yes. right at the pier. You would jump over my back wall, and the pier was right there. So we were able to go surfing in the morning, um, ride our bikes to, uh, uh, to work. I had a uh, 66 Baja Volkswagen that we fixed up, which had – more aircraft parts than probably, you know, uh, Volkswagen parts just from fixing stuff. Um, cause you were allowed to do it, you know, um, yeah. you know, cool stuff. Uh, my, uh, roommate Bill had a, uh, uh, had a Mustang, um, you know, just some crazy times going into Mexico. Um, we might've been arrested. Um, I, we, we want to uh, talk know. about that. Yes, we will. No, we won't. Yeah, uh, you know, 20 times, uh, <laughs> Yeah, too many shots of tequila. Who's on cantina? And we became bulletproof. And uh, the short story was: is uh, Federale showed up. He was uh, more brazen than I, and decided to go through the front door. I went through the window because uh, there was no glass or anything in it. So uh, I'm flying around the corner, and uh, my best friend is uh, face down on the ground, uh, getting taken off by the police. So uh, we were uh, smart enough to uh, leave the keys and leave money in the car, which we parked. Right. So I go back, find the car because I had to sober up instant sobriety right we go back uh i jump in the car but i have that's not true i didn't have any money so we're going back through the checkpoints right and i'm just blowing through them i got nothing so i get to the u.s border right they stop me what are you doing i'm on my way back my friend's in jail right all i have is my id card right they were so nice to me at the time just just keep going whatever i took out every dime i had from the atm which maybe was 250 bucks drove back to Mexico to try and buy them out. And then it turned out, and this probably isn't correct, but it was like $15 or 15 days. I paid cash, out he came, right? But he smelled so bad on the ride back, he had to ride the back seat because he smelled so bad, right? But anyways, yeah, funny story. But hey, none of us got in trouble because we made it back to work. Oh, uh, so, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, but anyways, San Diego, great time. So uh you know, uh, another funny story, I won't name names, but uh, another second class, uh, one of the best chiefs I ever ran across was uh, a guy named Mike Jindrasik. Uh Ultimately went to be warrant, uh, you know, was a great chief. I think he made senior chief, went warrant. Um, great, great guy. Um, again, took me under his wing. Um, but we had a uh, second class, and I won't name names because uh, he might see this, but we had to uh, strip and wax the floor one day. And so... The shop in San Diego was in uh, to the right anyways. It was next to, you know, one of the hangers. So um, he elected to use tooling on the floor because it took the wax up differently. So if you remember the old buffers, right, uh -huh. you could see the arc at the top. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I remember uh, coming back in another funny story. He's stripping it off. You can smell it 50 yards away going, what the heck? So, um, and I had actually warned him. I, I'm pretty sure I did. So, I mean, it was so long pretty, ago. Pretty, I'm going, pretty sure hey. I warned him. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't the brightest idea, but, you know, we had no shortage of tooling. Um, so he's in there. But, again, it comes back to the story. My chief comes around the corner. I'm there, too, right? Figure out what's happening, right? Has Tom get out of there, right? Because we could have blown the whole damn place up, right? I mean, it would have been the fire from hell, right? Because the H3s <laughs> are piling the hangar next to us. You know, it just would have been ugly. And I'll never forget Mike Jandrasic yelling at me that I should have stopped it. I'm like, he's a second class. I'm a, I'm a third, a brand new third. What am I supposed to do? And I remember him lecturing me. It's not about rank. You know, sometimes you have to exert yourself. It's something like that, right? But it was just a funny story. You know, you think about it now going, oh, my God. I mean, the doors weren't open. I mean, he's lucky he wasn't dead. <laughs> you know, with just the buffer spinning around in a circle around the shop. Anyway. Oh, um, uh, oh my gosh. Funny times. But yeah, I, the H3 is back there. We used to, uh, we used to pick up bales on uh, patrol. So people would uh, throw uh, marijuana over the side and we'd be out there and somebody would report it and we'd pick up bales and. Uh, Using the basket, just, just sending the basket. On, no, like, we'd do, uh, actually uh, platform pickups. We'd land on the water. And oh, so of course. That's right. On, yeah, you'd stand on it taxi up to it and grab the bail. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, you know, we did that. And again, this was long before your analysis. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> one, uh, one thing that's kind of funny is, uh, uh, marijuana wet smells horribly. horribly. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you'd be on that, you'd have everything on. I mean, you just plain stank, but uh, anyways, San Diego, great time, man. Great time. Um, was there for a couple of years. Then I went to uh, Air Station Barbers Point. I got qualified in uh, C-130s as a drop master on H-52 flight mech. So I did that. Um, good times. No, no killer cases. Just a nice place to be, um, which leads us into the uh, rescue swimmer program. Well, let um, me ask how, you something before we get into the rescue swimmer. While you were in uh, San Diego, you were still EMT qualified, right? Correct. Yeah, I was. Uh, you, I was lucky. You, I got sent off. So you EMT actually. School. You had your first case in uh, San Diego. I mean, technically. Yeah, I had medevacs in San. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't as a rescue swimmer. It was I was a flight man. Okay. Right. So we'd pick whoever up that needed to be injured, right? Um, and it'd be up to whoever was on the boat, whether it was Basker, we put them in a litter, and we'd hoist them up in whatever form or fashion they would come up with, and I'd start doing whatever I needed to do in the aircraft. How was the hoisting? Was it all right? I mean, I was great. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, it's a swimmer thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to all the I mean, that's a plus about people that are hurt or being rescued. They really don't complain if I suck it. It's jerky or anything. Yeah. No one really says much. They're just happy to get off the boat or out of the water. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Nice. Yeah, good time. And then uh, shoot, uh, I did a lot of different things. I remember uh, the big deal is uh, we had uh, engine run letters. So in the H3, we were able to uh, wash and dry the engines, which was for an ASM, that was probably the coolest thing. We're starting both engines, you know, doing all our stuff and we're washing it. I'll, I'll never, it was as close as we got to, you know, to flying. And every once in a while, the rotor brake would slip. So the rotors would start to slowly turn, you know, and anyways, funny, funny times. Um, but yeah, yeah, it can't oh, be. what a good. great crew, great group of people, phenomenal pilots. 
Hey, the one story I forgot to tell you. So in San Diego, um, when I first started living off base, uh, I didn't get the, what was it then? It was what, BAQ, I think it's BAH now. Um, yep. The gist of it was, is after a couple months, I couldn't Which afford Which is basic it. housing allowance. Right, money that we get which is enough to, to allow you to live off, uh, off base. Yep. Um, short of it was, is uh, I didn't get my money. And this was back in the days where they could pay you cash. Your, uh, nothing was electronic. Your pay record was kept literally on a, a piece of yellow uh, paper cardboard. And it traveled around with you and, uh, you know. But the gist of it was I didn't get paid. So I turned in a uh, chit uh, to my EO to uh, ask to drive up to uh, Long Beach. That's where the district office was. So I could get the cash they owed me. Um, all approved. Wow. But it turned out they didn't have a government vehicle available the day I was going to go. Right. I got bumped by somebody. So I borrowed somebody's motorcycle. So I drive to uh, Long Beach. All, all's good. Um, but on the way back in typical Coast Guard, you're going to laugh at this. Do you think I got my money? Nope. No. Didn't have it when I got there. So I'm on my way back empty handed. I uh, was getting ready to jump on. Maybe it was the 405 interstate. I forget. But it was like a 180 degree uh, turn. And I got basically squished between a large car and the guardrail, you know, at oh. a very slow speed. So um, funny part is I jumped off the uh, motorcycle. And the only thing that hit is my knee hit the top of the guardrail on my way over. Didn't break any skin, didn't break any bones, but it tore three out of four ligaments in my knee. Ouch. Right, so um, I'm taking my ambulance to the hospital. When we get to the hospital, they turn on military guy, all care stops. <laughs> they take me to the, uh, I think Long Beach, uh, NRMC, whatever the heck it is. Um, and they're evaluating me there. And so uh, the first guy I see is a captain who says, your, your Coast Guard career is over. We're going to, you know, you're going to need major surgery. You're not going to bounce back from this, blah, 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 blah. But my engineering officer in the, the wake of all this, and I have no idea how long it was taking, calls up, you know, and I talk to him on the phone because everybody's like, what the heck? It's like, Steve, do you want to stay there? No, I don't want to stay here. I don't want surgery here. I want to come home, right? So he authorized through whatever chain of command, and H3 came up and picked me up. No way. Oh, in the parking sick. Lot. Yeah. It was, again, the rules were a lot different. So I'll also remember this captain comes back in who was screaming at me, who the fuck are you? Right. I was a third class. Right. And so he knows how long I've been in the service. And so they literally came in and I remember the captain talking to uh, somebody telling them they're not authorized to do this. And then something along the lines going, well, we appreciate your input. We'll be there in X amount of minutes, right? And so the wow. H3 parking lot dusts off the whole parking lot, right? Cars are there, whatever. They just land. They wheel me out, right? Um, I get in the aircraft, right? Um, now they put me in a Stokes litter. We're way past, you know, I should have been there before. And they put a 265 tag on my toe and I was damaged. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for those so that don't green, know, green tag a, on my toe. A 265 right? tag is like broken yet repairable. So yes. <laughs> yes. It's just out of commission at the moment until it gets repaired. That's all that, that tag means. That's hilarious. Yeah. So <laughs> they fly me back. Um, I uh, They land at uh, Balboa Hospital in San Diego, um, offload me there. Um, you know, like I said, that process it was slow in all those pieces. Um just was, is I got lucky. I got a young lieutenant medical officer, uh, orthopedic guy who uh, 
took me, you know, uh, ended up fixing me up, everything from advancing my muscle over my kneecap to hold it in place to wires and screws and, and, and whatever. Um, a lot of time on the table uh, to the point where the spinal tap started wearing off. And I'm Holy like, smoke. I can feel that. I can feel that. Um, and then I don't remember much after that because I think they just knocked me out. <laughs> but you don't, anyways, you don't feel it now. Let me push yeah. a little harder. So I, I wake up in a full leg cast, right? Which yeah. back in the day, it's not like now where, you know, they don't do that. So I wake up in a full length cast that I was going to wear for six weeks on light duty. Uh, went through a medical board. Uh, they deemed, you know, after it was all said and done and rehab, uh, I could still uh, perform my worldwide duties and I was able to stay in, which when we get to swimmer school, I'll give you a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, but anyways, nonetheless, uh, but crazy times again, San Diego. So I had no transportation, but I had a, uh, either an XR or an XL 650 Honda motorcycle. That was it. I would ride with my full length cast on my motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Who was smarter than me? Uh, right. Apparently nobody. Uh, yeah. anyway, go on to, uh, Barbara's point. Good times. Um, you know, qualified in different aircraft. I mean, nothing, uh, outrageous got a chance to go to a lot of uh you know pacific islands curry midway curacao or not curacao but uh Kwajalein, you know um and if you don't know anything about those places it's uh some of them uh they kept uh you know stockpiles of nerve agents and they give you a you know a, a respirator when you got there if you hear this alarm you got to put this on you know that type of thing um but anyways very, very good times you know um and then like i said swimmer uh not swimmer school didn't start i at that point uh there was a program uh, called the uh, for the UER, the Underwater Escape Rebreather. And this was originally created by a guy named Dave Giza at headquarters. And what it was is uh, your life vest basically had an oxygen cylinder that was put into it. And that was the inflation, but it put 100% oxygen into your bladder. You would put the hose in your mouth, right. breathe the oxygen and egress. So if you could egress, how, assuming that, you know, you weren't floating uh, up on the bottom of the air or the floor of the aircraft upside down. Well, and we tried to teach you about those things, but if you were strapped in, it wouldn't happen. And part of the procedures were you made sure your life vest was outside of the strap. I mean, a bunch of yeah. things that went along with it. Um, but the gist was, is uh, uh, they selected a group of people and I have no idea exactly how they picked us, but somehow I got uh, selected into that group. And five of us went to uh, Pensacola, Florida to go to the Naval Aviation Water Survival Instructor School. Um, and this was a month-long school. Um, a gentleman uh, named uh, uh, Daryl Jelikoska, Master Chief, was uh, running the yep. program. Yep. Uh, very uh, famous young man. Um, he was younger then. Um, same amount of hair, but, uh, you know, anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so we went to that. And a, a funny story with him is... Uh, the day we arrived, Kelly Gordon and I were there. We were the most junior. Kelly was, I think, still a third. And I was just made second class. Um, anyways, so we get there. We're in Pensacola, Florida. We didn't stay on base because Master Chief deemed it wasn't uh, suitable for us to stay there. So we stayed at uh, in Gulf Breeze, Florida at a Holiday Inn on the beach. <laughs> so, All right. And we, and we had and we had Life is not terrible at the moment. <laughs> no, uh-uh. Um, but anyways, when we get there, so everybody's arriving on the first day. Um, at some point during it, Mass Chief uh, asked us to go down and get his uh, like luggage and stuff out of his car. And my first response is, what? Are you, oh, wow, I see how this is going to go, right? And I'm thinking, 
this is going to be a shit show. Uh, why did I volunteer for this? Um, but anyway, so we go to the car. It's not his luggage. It's it's coolers with beverages. Um, oh, nice. So we're what unloading nice the, the coolers to come back. So anyways, we're there for a month. You know what? Um, Hold on. I can, I can see how that goes. What a dick. And you're walking down yeah. like, screw this guy. Then you'll be like, oh, this guy's the yeah. man. <laughs> it was. Uh, what a great trip. And Daryl was a phenomenal leader. Uh, I mean, he really was. You just wanted to work for the guy. You know, he said, jump off the bridge. You were willing to do it. Um, so uh, I wouldn't say that we were alike, but I mean, the man was a great leader. Um, so, you know, good enough. And that's what all started. So we graduate from uh, Nowski School, right? We're WSIs. They made us WSIs. And what was important about that is they, I could swim, but they taught me how to swim. Oh, nice. So I was able to, to swim long distances with far less effort, right? So I learned about glide. I learned about breathing. I learned about all those things, which was key to my success later. Um, so we anyways, we all graduate. We're getting ready to uh, go around the country. Marine Electric uh, happens. Congress uh, says that uh, you're going to create a rescue swimmer program. And so at that point, uh, I think everybody on the team got called and asked, do you want to go to rescue swimmer school? Um, and then Kelly Gordon and I were the only people who ponied up. Everybody else said, no, we're going to keep going. Well, uh, you know, you yeah, well, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, you've been in rate and rank for so long. You're yeah, I get it. Well, I don't think it had anything to do with that. It was like, you're going into an unknown. Nobody knows what's supposed to happen. No one's ever attended the school. And Hey, by the way, you're going to be the first guys there. You know, you needed somebody like Kelly and I who didn't think of any of those factors. Right. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Um, and, and off we went. So uh, oh, we a short period of time. Um, we show up at the Navy rescue swimmer school as the first two, uh, you know, coast guard participants, um, did the month long school. And, uh, you know, it was hard. I, I was out of shape when I got there. Um, it was definitely a lesson in, uh, I just got to make it to breakfast. I just got to make it to lunch. I just got to make it to the end of the day. Um, and because realize I had major knee surgery, right? Major damage of yeah. which the Navy had no idea, right? So we'll get to that. Um, so running five miles hurt, right? Well, yeah. Barring the fact I was out of shape, right? Barring the fact we're doing push-ups, pull-ups. And the theme was, is, hey, let me pull up a chair. We're just going to run far. I mean, school was just hard. I mean, yeah. the Navy didn't want us there, I don't think. Um, nope. It's a well, common it trend, we'll call that. Yeah, my uh, my stories, I'm sticking, they, they were harder on us because I don't have any comparison, but <laughs> I'm going to say it was. Um, but the gist was, like in the morning time, was all you know, physical, running, push-ups, pull-ups. I used to just pray. I, all I could do is get to the pool because we got to the pool, I was comfortable. I was back in my element. I could do whatever it took for as long as it took. Um, yeah. And that's why I come back to Anowski uh, School is without doing the WSI and spending so much time in the water, I never would have been able to do that. Uh, so if they took me to the bottom of the pool, yeah, okay, all right, so be it. Um, and they did those things. But as I was starting, uh, I was an E5, Kelly was uh, at E4, um, but I was senior in my class. So there was class a plus about being senior in class. We were, I was at the front. They had to run at my pace, right? So I've got a bunch of Marines, Navy guys, everybody's younger, better in shape, all those great things. But in the beginning, I, I couldn't run fast. So we went slow at my pace. And that was, they hated me, capital H, you know, because it was, I was tearing them up. But 
I couldn't go any faster. And right. one thing I learned quickly is you couldn't leave anybody behind because that meant extra work, pull-ups, you know, it just got ugly. Um, and I got better after the month. So I think I probably went in at like 200 pounds. I was a little chubby, um, you know, abs of steel, you know, yeah, yeah. they were just yeah. kind of protected. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and then I, I remember just after school would end the first couple of weeks is, I go back to my barracks and just go to sleep and uh, Kelly and the other people get me up to go eat. You got to eat, you got to fuel, you got to you know do all those things. I was just, just dusted. Um, but you know, we, we made it through. Um, yeah. And then towards the end, uh, you know, part of it's a mind game. I mean, the whole game was, is uh, we had instructors that uh, would absolutely want to get in your brain. Um, and, you know, students would dread, for example, getting in the line to go with this instructor. Well, I, I was in the same boat, but I learned pretty quickly if I got in their line and jumped in it, the pain was less, right? So I'd go to the guy that everybody hate, go to the front of the line, let's do it, right? And my punishment wasn't as bad. Um, But again, school, it was hard. School. I mean, uh, this was uh, what we call pre-Mariki. This is before they killed the kid. Um, I had uh, one of our class members uh, actually got his jaw dislocated. They took him to the bottom of the pool, had him in a head hold. Uh, for whatever reason, they got their uh, arm around his jaw and dislocated it, right? He couldn't speak. He's chug-a-lugging. You know, they keep bringing him back up, taking him back down, bringing him back up, taking him back down. Um, you know, nowadays that wouldn't fly, um, but that's how they played the game with us back in the day. Wow. So uh, so we graduate, all good. I was the uh, fourth honor graduate in the history of the school at that point in time. Um, it was a pretty big deal. But now it comes back to the Navy and knee surgery, right? So Navy does all their training. They document it in your medical record. Well, Coasties, we never give up our medical record. I had it, right? So at the end, they needed to get it so they could put the page in that said I, I completed this uh, you know, training. They're reviewing my medical record and find out that I had a medical board and I had disabling knee surgery. So, um, and I, I have no idea how long this took, but they want to disenroll me. So I spent a day... I guess, obviously, Coast Guard headquarters and powers to be decided, well, if you made it through it, we can't throw the guy out just due to a technicality. So I could have, all the way at the end of that, due to medical, been thrown out. Jeez, right? oh, man. Right? So yeah. uh, anyways, honor graduate, it goes on. Got a letter from the commandant, you know. Um, hey, fourth honor graduate in the history school, letter from the CO of the base. Hey, this is an incredible feat. You did A, B, C, D, and E. Yeah, I'm pretty happy I'm alive. And then go back to Hawaii for shoot, maybe a month. Um, and then uh, transferred off to Elizabeth city to start the rescue swimmer program. And game so, on uh, that. Kelly and I PCS in. Yeah. And then uh, 1984 began myself, Kelly Gordon, uh, Rick Wolford, uh, Matt Fithian, Butch Flyth. Holy. And smart. then, uh, and then they're just trying to figure out what happened. So uh, good times. Yeah. All right. So now you get to East city. What's your first case? I actually, uh, I'm, oh my God, we were training uh, ninjas, but realize back then we were still flight max. I was still a load master and it was expected that we're still proficient in another aircraft. You know, we happened to be more. So realize we were flying all the time when we were doing swim ops. We were never short on our four hours. Um, <laughs> so we did those things. But my first case was a uh, actually a medevac as a rescue swimmer. And back in those days in the first part, when they had a case, it'd be put the ready helicopter on the line, blah, blah, blah. And they'd say, you know, medevac. And they'd say either a corpsman or a rescue swimmer provide, or they wouldn't take anybody, depending on the pilots, right? So yeah. um, 
Uh, this one case, uh, I had a pilot uh, named Lieutenant Bruce Drejos, retired as a captain, great stick, uh, ended up being the uh, CEO of uh, uh, all C and ARNSC and, uh, you know, ASC, what is it, ALS, eh, whatever, the maintenance uh, at Elizabeth City. Um, short story, we take off to a fishing vessel to uh, a gentleman that uh, got caught in a wench. Um, it was about four in the morning, and his original injuries were... This is the, this is the award. Yeah, this is the award. Your yeah. first case is your award? As a rescue swimmer, yes. Oh, God. Oh, well, stand by. Well, and there may have been ones before. I'll be honest. I don't remember. I was never used. The first time I ever got used or had a chance was this. Well, in that case, we're going to get into this a little bit more because you got an award for this, which was what? The Coast Guard? Combination Chief? medal. Yeah. Co combination medal. So here, which here's was the huge back then. Yeah. An E5 with three extra points on the service wide was huge. Well, that and the fact it's the first uh, yeah. rescue ever as a rescue swimmer or the first well, his award. Name, realized, yeah, yeah, Rick Wolford was before me. He actually splashed and uh, picked up, uh, you know, somebody, you know, did a live hoist and, you know, and, and brought him back in. So Rick Wolford was actually the first case. I was the first rescue swimmer to get an award, which which yeah, is awesome. You know, so, and the summary yeah. of action, I'm just going to read a little bit of it here and then we'll get into this. But so at 0417, the morning of 20 November 1985, Coast Guard Group Cape Hatteras received a call uh, from fishing vessel Jean Marie requesting assistance for an injured crew member. The crewman, a 30 year old male, had been caught in the winch and suffered from a severed right hand, possible broken left femur, and broken collarbone. The vessel was 18 nautical miles east of our Currituck Light. And the information was relayed to the Rescue Coordination Center and then launched the E City helicopter medevac crew. So, boom. And you're, you're yeah, on there it. We go. Okay. All right. Let's, yeah. let's do this. First award um, ever given to a rescue swimmer in the Coast Guard, right here. And the cool part about it is it started out just a medevac, but I think I'm, my claim to fame is I think it's the first award, you know, uh, on the. Uh, uh, Citation itself, as well as the, the write-up where I was called a rescue swimmer, right? So that that's the big part behind it. I mean, because we've done plenty of medevacs, been plenty of cases, but this is the first time they called it, hey, the rescue swimmer, you know, was deployed. Wow. Man, so, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Setting so, the uh, standard right there. And it, you know, it was fun. I mean, later on, I mean, I got to commend Bruce Drehouse because he went against it. You know, they didn't want ASMs to be prima donnas. They actually went out of their way to make sure we weren't in the limelight. You know, so we had better cohesion on the hangar deck. You know, that was a reason we still had to be qualified. We still had to have pre-flight, post-flights. We had to fly on other missions, you know, all those things. So, but anyways, back to the case. So we fly out there. Um, they hoist me to this uh, pretty large, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, scallop boat. And then uh, big, big once I get boat. there. Huge scallop uh, boat. Big thing yeah. hanging all over the place. It is. And then, uh, you know, the wench is up and I think on uh, probably the uh, port side um, up right pushed up against the doghouse, big cable, you know, as they're pulling stuff in and out, doing all those things. Apparently, this uh, young gentleman somehow got wrapped up in the uh, uh, drum itself It pulled him over the top of it. And somehow that made the cable come off the wench and it just started piling on it. Right. And they were shorthanded. So nobody knew. Right. So it's just going on. Um, but at that point in time, when it took tension uh, 
it said his hand was severed. His hand wasn't severed. It was just his four fingers. I'll get to that in a, a, a few minutes. I guess I say just his four fingers. Just. Um, and then, uh, but like I said, I, I get there, I go up to it. Nah, it, it was a shit show. So realize on the me file, I'm just like, where do I start? There's blood on the deck. He's moaning. The crew's like, what do we do? And I'm like, I don't even know what to say. And I remember telling Bruce Drehouse going, he's asking me, I'm on my PRC 90, great comms. Um, <laughs> trying to, uh, trying Sarcas- to, talk to the insert sarcasm right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I'm on, uh, I wasn't on guard, but I'm like on two, two eighty two eight. Yeah. Funny what you remember trying to explain what this guy's problems are. And I'm like, I don't know where to start. So just it was they're orbiting right um hurry up hurry up yeah we may have to go get fuel we'll be back that didn't happen but um uh we start peeling the uh the cable off this guy only find out uh he did have a broken femur his collarbone was broken but he also had lacerations where they as you know on cables you know they have the uh the phrase coming off so as it was going around it was slicing him so he had cuts in his chest um in between his on his thigh where it nicked his uh, artery um, like I said, his fingers are gone and he had uh, a laceration. The one that went through his, uh, through his groin actually t- cut open his testicles. And I said this with uh, Cody and Vince too. So uh, if you haven't seen a testicle outside of the uh, sack, it looks like a little uh, kidney bean. That was the only thing this man was concerned about. That was the main <laughs> thing. Will it still work? Is it still there? I remember this conversation going, dude, you're okay. I'm like trying to pack stuff, you know, uh, uh, ice and, and something wasn't bleeding, but it was like, you know, make you nauseous. Oh, all oh, that's got to hurt. <laughs> um, but anyways, oh, oh, man. we're pulling cable off this guy slowly, but surely I got the crew to help. And, and they're like, oh my God, he's screaming like a banshee. Right. Um, but his, uh, yeah, he did have a femur, uh, you know, break. And it was uh, angulated. Like I said, his shoulder was broken. It was one of those clear where you could see just the slump. I mean, it just went down. Yeah. Um, same side that he lost his fingers on. But I'm trying to stop the bleeding. I could not stop all the bleeding. He was fluid was coming out everywhere. Um, so I got a chance after we got the cable, um, and we're in a really tight passageway um, that I recall. Um, I couldn't get the litter in there, so we ended up having to pick him out. But I put him in it, an old style hair traction splint. Was able to pull his uh, leg close to straight again, right? Because he was an incredible playing. And then uh, uh, I put him in mass pants, which we'd never done before. And my thought was, is when it immobilized, I thought his hip was broken, right? I needed to do more, and I need to figure out how to slow the bleeding down. Yeah. So um, I pumped up all three abdomen, both legs, um, jacked him up where he had an okay pressure, which really didn't matter. Um, and he was leaking in more places farther up his chest, but I was able to slow those down. Got him in the Stokes litter. It was probably an hour on deck, right? And then we hoisted him up and uh, took him to Norfolk. An yeah. hour on deck working the guy. Wow. Yeah. Um, Dude. To be honest with you, it was all stuff I'd never done before. Right, right. Yeah, this wasn't the, hey, you're okay. He was just a mess. And with his femur uh, break, I couldn't get him into the stokes leg. Right? Oh, yeah, you can't have you an appendage the, hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Because what would, you know, what would be stopping the litter spin? All the aircraft with his leg. You know, so, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> What a mess. Anyways, we get him up in the aircraft. They could hear him still screaming in the plane. I think the citation or the uh, write-up that you have uh, talks about it. Um, he just thought he was going to die. He didn't. Um, he ended up surviving when I was in the hospital for three weeks, multiple operations. 
But the key thing is right before we host, hoist him back up, um, uh, I had to retrieve his fingers. So I grab his four fingers, right, um, put it in a plastic bag, and it goes into my SAR-1 in my front pocket. So I get hoisted, right, and forgot about it all till later. Um, we land in Norfolk. We go inside. I had to go inside because most people didn't know what mask pants were used for. And my panic was, and they taught us at school, they'd immediately come in, go to cut everything off them, do their initial patient survey, yeah. and they'd crash. Right, right, right. So I'm in there. They're going, no, 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 no. You got to do it one leg at a time. You got to put more fluids in, um, whatever. And I remember going, oh, yeah, start to walk out. Helicopter's still out there. Humming. I turn around, right open my bag, hand them the Ziploc bag with the fingers in it. So, uh, yeah. Thank you. Great case. Great case. <laughs> wow. What a, but again, what like a great said, case. That's... And I don't think it was a fact that it was a rescue swimmer. I think I was just lucky. And, uh, you know, I seem to be the medevac king. I've always, you know, I don't have any decent splash cases. Every unit, or at least a few I've been to, was always a medevac. You know, so, yeah. So uh, that gave me three points on the service wide. Um, all good. Um, and the cool part about that award is, is it's actually in headquarters right now because it is the first award that a rescue swimmer got in, in the race. No, no, right? it, it's in my box for my cubicle because I still support the Coast Guard. It was oh, just my, I'm not oh. allowed to have a love me wall here. Got so it. it, it's Sorry, I, thought you meant, I haven't seen it. it forever. Well, yeah. that just killed that. That, that was all excited. It was like, you know, yeah, sorry. I wish it was common on small or something. You know? yeah. All right. Whatever. I get old people go, what? You're the first rescue swimmer. What? You know? Yeah. Oh, good. And then we go on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that's funny. Um, but anyway, so I did that. And then, uh, shoot, I made E6, which again, those three points help, uh, I wrote the number one service wide for E6 and E7 over 90%, which was uh, uh, well done. pretty hard to do. But yeah. I was so young. Um, I sent you a picture. I mean, even at Brooklyn, you know, I had two stripes and I was a chief. That was rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and I owe that to uh, Larry Farmer, Master Chief Larry Farmer. Um, not because he necessarily did anything for us, but he was writing service wide tests at one point And he had one pearl of wisdom. He's like, Everybody knows how to do the rate. What's going to get you promoted or advanced is knowing the other stuff. And so we focused on that. And that's why uh, Harold Hoffmaster, Al Lavelle, and others, I taught them to do the same thing, and they did very well. Wow, um, that's great. Great so, advice yeah, for everybody yeah, that's, that's still on the Coast Guard. Yeah. yeah. And you're taking your service Everybody knows slide. how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, did that, like I said, uh, made chief at, uh, at Brooklyn, got transferred up to Brooklyn, start the first uh, 65 unit. I was there with a, uh, quite the cast of characters. We did some great stuff there. Uh, more medevacs. Uh, learned how to scuba dive with the NYPD. Um, built a uh, pier. Rebuilt the uh, pier out at the, the air station. Did underwater construction. Um, oh, We wow. all got a medal for that. Wow. Yeah. Um, Actually, and, what, so one of the guys that was on here, you guys are going out to get qualified, or to, you're going to qualify Hoffmaster, and – a call comes in and you look at it and be like, you take the case and you're qualified. And he's all joking yep. about it. And the whole thing yeah. got canceled. Oh, yeah. lame. <laughs> it would have been perfect. Right. But uh, you know, the rare time. And this yeah. is back, you know, shoot power by the hour in 65. They had no endurance. They had no power. I mean, right. it was a definite call. Do we take the pump or we take the rescue swamp? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and then, uh, but no great times. We rebuilt the shop, you know, Joe Byer, uh, I sent you a picture of, uh, uh, 
uh, the shop that uh, Olaf drew for us, uh, yeah. which pretty much oh, yeah. summed it up. Um, <laughs> you know, quite the cast of characters. Uh, Rick Gladish uh, went off to be a successful uh, M guy, a Marine inspector. Uh, uh, Steve Jutris uh, went off to OCS, um, became a C-130 pilot, retired as a commander. Uh, shoot, uh, you know about Harold Hoff. Uh, yep. Roger Westerhoff is a successful business. He owns his own uh, independent trucking thing that he does now. Um, we had a, a bunch of cast of characters, Joe Burns, NYPD, uh, ESU captain, uh, went down, breaking down doors. You know, he was quite the stud. Um, yeah, just a, quite the group of guys, but, and the pilots were awesome too. I mean, we had guys that bought into the program, flight max, the hangar deck. Um, it, it was quite the thing. I remember I'd have, uh, my swimmers. That was part of the thing. They had pre-flight post flights. That was prerequisite of being, uh, qualified. Um, and you know, the plane to come back, they were out there washing it with the rest of them. You know, that was, that was our thing going, no, 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 this doesn't happen. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just interesting. And then being a chief there again, uh, I had some phenomenal, uh, you know, leadership, but I was by far the youngest. So I still stood duty, which, uh, was a point of huge contention with the other chiefs because they didn't stand duty anymore or whatever. We didn't have a choice. Yeah. Something happened. So shorthanded. There was, yeah. Um, right. And then we'd be out there uh, PT. Uh, my chief's initiation again. It's not CCTI anymore. It was it was different. Um, <laughs> I got initiated on Governor's Island with all black shoots. Um, so I was a rescue swimmer. I was an ASM. I was an aviator with an all black shoe environment. Yeah. So, um, and for those who don't abuse. know, like U.S. military, like there's black shoe and brown shoe. Black shoe is usually the boat guys, and brown shoe is usually the Airedale guys. And that's how you differentiate them in the, on the aircraft carriers way back in the day. Yeah. So that's so, uh, what, that's what you're referring to. Like all the black shoe guys or all the boat guys got an Airedale yeah, hanging yeah. out with you. <laughs> but, you know, Come on. <laughs> pretty cool times at the end of it. Uh, my uh, wife of uh, shoot uh, 32 years now. Got Congratulations. My anchors that's on, awesome. Right. Um, so yeah. It, you know, I'll be honest at Brooklyn, we ran the show, uh, you know, It'd be like, nope, the meeting's not starting. Chief Ober isn't here, you know, which uh, wasn't how it was supposed to go, but it's just how it turned out. We had the nicest shop, the most toys, you know, we had yeah. beer in the fridge, the yield <laughs> and seal would come in. We'd lock the doors, you know, end of the day, have a beer, you know, let everybody go. It, it was just, it was just different. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I can't, couldn't have asked for a better group of, uh, you know, people all the way around, not only the uh, ASMs at the time, but uh, obviously the uh, flight mechs and pilots, just, just phenomenal. Did you, what did in you Brooklyn, have uh, cases up in Brooklyn? Anything good? Yeah. You know, I had a couple, again, I said earlier, I was the medevac King. So I had one case uh, similar to uh, uh, Olaf's or maybe it was Hoff's, whatever, another, you know, fishing boat, somebody got hurt. Um, and the funny part behind it is, is the case wasn't very grueling, but uh, as they're bringing me in, uh, they wanted to hoist me to the boat. We're going to do it on the bow. Uh, right in front of the doghouse, and uh, the AC uh, ran me right into the doghouse, man. I was oh. just face first, <laughs> and then uh, if you can't see, but a profile shot, my nose stuck out in front of my helmet. So we're wearing the old SPHs. We hit so hard, I face plant, right? Um, and my nose is bleeding. So yeah. I remember the crew coming out; they were more worried about me, barring the guy that got hurt, <laughs> right? And uh, so I'm bleeding like just crazy. My nose is just running out. I'm trying to stop swiping the blood off. Right, I'm okay. I'm okay. I remember they took me into the uh, cabin. The pilot wanted to speak to me, and they were like, 
holy shit, we thought we killed you. <laughs> you know, no, no, I'm okay. I'll be okay. Um, anyways, another thing, it happened to be another scallop boat. Um, we took care of the medevac. I honestly don't even remember the circumstances, but I remember at the end, you're not hoisting me again. Um, so I jumped, I wanted to jump off the boat because uh, I think others have said this. I was far more secure in the ocean than I was, you know, being beaten up on the way back out. Um, I jumped off. Again, funny stories. I remember them uh, something about, they asked me about, can, you know, is it still legal to throw plastic over the side, which didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so what they do is they had a trash bag, uh, hefty, you know, heavy duty, whatever. They put scallops in it, threw it over the side, knowing I'd have to grab it. So I grab it, <laughs> get back to the air station. Seriously, the galley that night, we had scallops for them. Booyah! Yeah. So, so you uh, busted yeah, your times. nose, saved the dude, and had scallops for dinner. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shoot, other crazy times in Brooklyn. Let me see. Uh, I swam into a big jellyfish with Joe Burns. That oh, was, uh, that was no. kind of ugly. Oh. I was in a Henderson. Uh, we were in a shorty. And, uh, we were going to do a military double pickup. So uh, I'm rolled over. Joe's on top. I'm just, you know, kicking my way to it. Never saw what I was flying into. The aircraft saw it. And this is before we had any signs of communication or anything else. I just swam into an overly large uh, jellyfish, which was, uh, it was like sticking my uh, upper torso into a uh, bowl of jello. Um, but nonetheless, I realized immediately something's wrong. Uh, if you ever talk to Joe Burns, hopefully remember too, I turned over. Now he's face down. I'm stroking it away from whatever I was in <laughs> and uh, just trying to get it off. And I'm trying to wipe you know, everything off of me, but realize I'm in a shorty, right? No gloves. My legs are all exposed. I got booties on, you know, my face is all exposed. Then all of a sudden I start to feel the tingling. Oh, now, no. This isn't good. <laughs> Joe and I get back up in the aircraft. We're trying to get the stuff off. Nobody has Adolf meat tenderizer. They weren't going to pee on me. That just wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah, I know. And then, I don't need no golden shower. Thank little, you. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a uh, little bit of shock. I'm welting up everywhere. Um, and then I remember getting back to the uh, air station, and uh, our corpsman, uh, Pat Berniston, ex, uh, uh, I think he was a Marine medic, Vietnam, whatever the case may be, crusty guy, but good at his job. He immediately sticks me with uh, you know Benadryl. <sighs> I'm feeling better, and they're scraping. The, what they see for the remnants. And then they use water. I just, short story was I was down for a couple of days and bounced back. Nice. But, uh, that was a funny story. That's hilarious. Um, and then uh, shoot, what else? Uh, one time with Joe Burns, we were out there uh, firing off uh, MA-127's parachute flares. I yeah. thought I broke Joe's hand because Joe was really reluctant. And this again being the chief. Oh yeah, it's safe. Come on, we're going. So we're out there, helicopters flowing off. We're firing off 127's totally against every rule that's out there right all it is they told kennedy airport not to you know anybody reports a flare sighting it's us right so i'm doing these giant you know burn for a minute you know uh, icarus flares uh, all handheld um from the water which there's nothing that tells you to do that right that, that's not in anybody but we are because it was pretty cool right the beach got a good show all well and good uh, um create your own fire anyways, yeah joe's doing his for some reason <laughs> And instead of hitting it somehow, it had a recoil or whatever. And we thought we broke his hand. And it was like, this can't be happening to me. This, this is going to be one ugly mishap. Um, but none of that happened. So uh, Joe recovered. And uh, we didn't do MA-127s probably after that. 
Um, Cause that was like, uh, maybe I won't do that shit anymore. Um, That's so funny. What other stupid stuff? Oh, we'd fly to the beaches in Long Island. This is how, uh, when I first met my uh, wife dating her, she, uh, they'd be on the uh, beaches in uh, Rockaway. We'd fly a 65 up two of us. Um, we both splash do training. I'd swim to shore aircraft would fly off, do something, right. Say hi to my wife to be right. See all our friends, guys come out of the water, helicopters there, swim back out, helicopter, pick us up, take off. Yes. Right. Yes. So, oh, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many different, uh, and you can't do that now. And I think no. about it now going, Oh my God. So, uh, uh, yeah, crazy times. But this again, this is back when we had an armory, you know, we'd go and pick up our uh, pyrotechnics and, uh, uh, you know, ammunition, everybody be wept up. All the ASMs had to qualify at the range, you know, um, just different times. And then, uh, yeah, funny. And then my father-in-law, 30-year uh, uh, NYPD captain, um, was less than thrilled that his daughter um, was dating this Coast Guard guy who future <laughs> earning potential was iffy at best. Um, so, uh, uh, and, but he used to tease that uh, I was the guy with more balls than brains. That was nice. my, uh, um, you know, funny times. But I mean, it, it turned out to be awesome because our shop would go in, we'd pick up Pyro at Governor's Island. Um, we'd meet him, he'd take us to lunch. They'd uh, take our weapons, uh, lock them all up. He'd put a uniform guy to make sure nothing happened to him, right? Which again is absolutely against the rules, right? But I can't get any better than that. And then we go into Chinatown, have a great lunch, little shop, go back, you know, whip our stuff back up, go over to Governor's Island, do what we needed to do. You know, um, good times. Hey, you know, good times. do what you got to do. You get, get yeah, the job so, done. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, shoot, after, uh, like I said, I got married. I told you about uh, my wife pinned on my anchors or soon-to-be wife. Um, and then it, we kind of came to the conclusion, okay, she came to the conclusion that, Hey, this rescue swimmer thing's great. But what are you going to do that? You know, and I was like, ah, I'll do it forever. I'll make master chief, do, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Then kind of reality setting. You know, I took the eight service wide, ended up being, uh, uh, I think I wrote the number one service wide, still dropped to number four, and they made none. You know, so we kind of yeah. got the, uh, you know, reality check. Um, and then uh, my EO, a guy named Gary Jacobson, another phenomenal stick. Um, was like, you know, Steve, uh, we think you ought to go to OCS. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Steve, I think you ought to do to OCS. So uh, literally within six months, I put in a package uh, and I was off to uh, officer candidate school. Nice. To, uh, but at the time, Coast Guard needed leaders. As a rescue swimmer, I did that. But realized I didn't have college. I had my uh, 30, my, I think I had to have a 36 uh, OAR score. I had 36. Um, hey, and then uh, if, it was, if the minimum wasn't good enough, it wouldn't be the minimum. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, I had to have, uh, you know, I think 31 college credits, which I took all my uh, Coast Guard A schools or C schools, went to uh, University of uh, Long Island. They uh, took them all. And I came out with what? 31 college credits. Um, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, and so the funny part to this whole story is, right, so I'm accepted. I'm about ready to leave the OCS. They do their final review. They find out I don't have an upper-level math class, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, you basically have 48 hours or may have been less to, to solve this problem. Um, so, uh, or I'll say be disenrolled. And everybody's like, Steve, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, then I went through, I was a loadmaster. 
So I petitioned University of Long Island and for 150 bucks or something thereabouts, I got one semester hour in upper level math, you know, for weights and balance. Oh my God, what? <laughs> so so Steve is on. now on his way to become a Coast Guard <laughs> officer. Take advantage, man. I'm all about it. That's the well and, played, uh, sir. Well played. Again, uh, your great support for all the people around me, but that was the catch. So off I go, right? Um, so uh, I go to OCS. Uh, a funny story there is uh, uh, I was obviously in shape, you know, so the physical side was, yeah, okay. You want me to swim? You want me to, what do you want me to do? How long? Oh, okay. Is somebody going to watch? You need a chair? I'll get you a chair. Um, but I was not well liked. Um, and the reason I say that is uh, uh, I was young. I was certainly arrogant, right? Um, an example of that arrogance is, is when you reported to OCS in those days, and it was in uh, Yorktown, Virginia, you were supposed to come in civilian clothes, so you were all the same. What do you think I did? Show up in uniform. I did, as a chief petty officer. So yep. my thought was, they're going to call me chief for a day. <laughs> <laughs> you earned right? it. That's what Everybody, I said. <laughs> right? So Earn those was, wings. Earn that yeah. patch. Yeah, earned it. It, uh, well, we didn't, yeah, we did have a rescue swimmer pass, but we were doing, but at that point was, is, Hey, you're going to make, you know, I'm going to be here. I had a coxswain insignia. I had, you know, an air crew insignia. I was a chief with gold, you know, Hey, I was in shape, you know, bring it. So all day long, uh, as they're walking me around, it was, Hey chief, we'd like you to do this. Um, so the first time we're in the galley, we're getting lunch, right? I'm yep. chatting it up. <laughs> hey, what's up? Where are you from? You know, I remember, uh, a uh, guy named Eldridge uh, walks over to me, who was an aviator too. He was an AE or something. I don't remember. Leans over and he's like, Chief, you can't be talking to everybody. You, you need to be silent. You need to be like looking forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I looked at it. <laughs> gotcha. You know? And he's like, you know, dude, you're going to get me and, you know, you, you got to stop doing oh, Okay. Okay. Um, so that was like my first introduction. And then, uh, shoot, other stories is a, uh, I'm getting all my, uh, everybody gets reissued stuff. Well, I already had stuff. And then uh, I had, they wanted me to buy a uh, sea bag. And I'm like, no, I got a parachute bag. I came with one, you know, I don't need another bag. And they're like, no, you got to get a sea bag. Why do I need a sea bag? I have a parachute bag. And I remember Eldridge coming up too. Hey, we've had enough on this. Just let him have a sea bag. You can put his stuff. So I, I've got my B4 bag. Everybody else has got a sea bag, right? And there were other chiefs there just going, what the F is this guy doing? I'm like, yeah. Hey, I don't need any more shirts. I got plenty. They're all yep. ironed. I brought them with me. <laughs> Funny stuff. Um, but then you know, some oh, of my uh, platoon officers, uh, uh, yeah, just didn't like me. One in particular, I won't name names, but, uh, you know, came up because my job is to make sure you never become an officer. You are not worthy to become an officer. And then it was just a challenge. Yeah. Um, Game my on. actual platoon officer was a uh, bosun's mate chief who just used to shake his head. <laughs> okay. You know, um, uh, but it all turned out well. Funny story about ASMs, though. So uh, we're there in our, I think, second week, first week. I forget what it was. One of the goals was is they're going to rouse you at like four in the morning. Everybody's going to go outside. And the goal was to see if there was any uniformity, if there was anybody that stood up to be, do some sort of leadership, you know, that sort of thing, and what you were going to wear and those type of things. So Steve Jutras, who worked for me at Brooklyn, as a, uh, when I was a chief, he was a first, or he transferred off to Cape Cod, right, and went to OCS was in the class in front of me. So I'm like, Steve, what's going to happen? He goes, Steve, this week they're going to take you outside. And the goal is to see if everybody comes out in you know, the same uniforms, same sweats, you know, if they organize it up. Okay. 
So I've got 30 people on my side, right? I'm not the leader of anything. And then you've got another platoon on the other side. So I go around, we know it's coming, right? We all went out in the same sweats and everybody's like, <laughs> but Somebody as, it, knows as it turns something. out, right? So it was a short <laughs> night, right? Because they couldn't pick on us. What are they going to do? Yeah. Um, but then uh, it turned out to be an honors violation. Yeah. You notice, you know, maybe a lightning rod for some of this. So it turns out to be an honors violation. Um, one of my own classmates uh, thought it was an honors because, you know, we cheated. So I had to go in front of the school chief in week two, right? And explain what happened. And uh, ultimately it turned out that uh, we had a guy named uh, Walters who ended up, uh, commander ended up uh, carrying the bag for the president. Just a phenomenal officer. It was a QMC, if I, no, HMC or, it doesn't matter. Anyways, um, ended up staying up for him. He goes, nah, this didn't benefit him. This benefited 30 other people. This is what we want people to do. Use the, the resources that are available to you. So the academy grads weren't in agreement with that. Um, however, and nothing against academy. However, uh, you know, the enlisted formal were like, you know, so they let me slide. However, I was forbidden and Steve was forbidden for speaking to me anymore for the rest of the time we were there. So, uh, oh. yeah. Damn, Another yeah. funny, as uh, again, the first couple of days we're there, we're all in the uh, auditorium. There's 60 people. And actually, uh, Commander uh, Walters was there. And we're, we're honestly playing stump the chunk, right? So what do you know about Coast Guard history? You know, those type of things. Uh, I forget the actual questions. But the gist of it was, is for every wrong answer, um, we had to do push-ups. And for the most part, for right answers, you had to do it too. So we were up to some astronomical number. Um, and I was just tired, cranky. I don't know what the deal was. Um, but I elected it was time for me to hold up my hand get him to ask, you know, something. And I stood up and I remember going, you know, because you, you have to say your name first. And I was officer candidate, aviation survival chief over. And I said, I don't understand why we're doing this because either way we're penalized. Wouldn't it be better if we were just quiet, take the punishment and then finish the night? You could have heard a pin drop. And that's obviously not the exact words. Um, <laughs> and then he stopped, turned around and dismissed us all. And well played so again. Um, so uh, yeah, um, you know the rest of it was uh, it was interesting. It was an interesting time learning, you know, because uh, a lot of the instructors, and it's not that case now, they hadn't been anywhere else. So uh, Keith uh, Overstreet, who was actually uh, I think a Herc pilot, um, retired as a captain, uh, was in charge of aeronautical engineering at headquarters. I mean, smart, smart guy. He was in a class with me. Um, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just, you know, interesting, but no one hit, he was actually, I'm sorry, he was actually an instructor uh, who got, stayed there as an ensign, right, once he came in off the streets, um, and he was instructing us, and so I was really frustrated, going, you guys don't have a clue, you know, this isn't how this works, you know, let me explain how this works, you know, um, and so that was, in all honesty, hard for me, and realized at that point, I was married, I had twins, so my wife's off, you know, taking care of that. I'm in school for the first five weeks. You had no contact with your family. Oh, right. Yeah. You can write yeah. letters. Yeah. That was as good as it got. So, you know, my kids have got double ear infections. I mean, that lady was a trooper putting up with all that. And then uh, in Brooklyn, we had housing problems because I wasn't an officer and I wasn't a chief anymore. 
So she's living on the economy, ended up uh, living, uh, you know, with her parents, right? What a wreck. But anyways, we all survived. Wow. You know? But Dang. she would at times, and I don't remember the exact circumstances, there were a few times where she called up and said, no, you're not getting it. I need to speak to him now. <laughs> you know? And then uh, they would come and get me. <laughs> wow. And then we try and solve whatever problem it was. So, uh, but she was a trooper. Without her, oh my God, this, none of this would have worked. That's you awesome. Know? Nice job. Well done, yeah. Mrs. Over. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so then, shoot, I got out of OCS unscathed, luckily. Um, went off to my uh, first uh, billet, which Coast Guard headquarters. And so most of the OCS guys uh, all went to staff billet somewhere. A few of them got to go to ships. That wasn't my thing. Or you went to flight school. I had no desire to be a pilot. Um, so I went off and uh, went to what was called MVI uh, at headquarters. And I was doing lifeboat inspections. So I was doing engineering reviews. Remember, Steve Ober, guy who didn't have a math class, right? <laughs> so I'm doing engineering reviews of uh, lifeboats, comparing the, the specs, uh, the safety of life at sea requirements, all, all those things. So um, I was anal, right? Because I didn't know what I didn't know. So they went from probably moderate oversight to who is this dude? Um, and then, uh, you know, I did that. I actually enjoyed it. It was very enlightening, you know, to, to learn some of those things. Um, and then I had a great boss. I had a GS-15 guy named uh, Bob Markle. Um, and again, it's funny he remember, but his great thing was, is he realized within probably a few weeks, I couldn't write worth a shit, right? Um, I could stand in a crowd. I could give a brief, but writing was not my forte. So he authorized and got them to pay for it. They sent me to University of Maryland to uh, spend uh, two classes in business writing and uh, creative writing. Not a joke. No, so he sent kidding. me a Coast Guard time to go and do that because he, he was sure I would never survive if I wasn't able to do that. So, right? Um, and I, oh, I my gosh. That today. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so then I went on to those things. Uh, moved on uh, after that headquarters tour. I went to uh, activities or then uh, I think it was Group New York. Uh, did my thing as an officer there. Became a fully qualified Marine inspector, pollution investigator, uh, BTS officer. I was uh, one of five guys out of like 70 plus officers that was an activity duty officer. And I was the only non-ship driver. My uh, captain, a guy named uh, Gilmore, ultimately went on to Admiral, retired me, um, was more worried about how I'd make the decision than what the decision was. And uh, he used to go off, uh, he would switch the duty schedule. Um, so I would have duty if like he and his wife went into town, whereas he'd know I'd call if I had to, but I wouldn't call him for the stupid shit, you know? Um, so, but we ran all the traffic coming in and out of New York. Um, wow. I became, That's a lot like, of said, traffic too. Yeah, I ran a uh, a barge uh, uh, construction a place called uh, Cadell. So they built barges there. So we had a detached uh, shipyard. I was a supervisor there. Um, I, I, all kinds of you know neat stuff. Nothing but opportunities. Nothing but opportunities. And then uh, shoot, after that I went to uh, heck uh, the Gulf Strike Team. I got uh, selected for that. Uh, at the time uh, they told me, and I don't know if it was true, was they needed a different style of leadership. And I had no experience in this, so I got sent there, um, which was, uh, that was hard. Because I was a new guy coming in. They were absolutely entrenched in their ways. Um, 
And, you know, I came in and rocked the boat. So it was a tough year and a half. Um, but I had a phenomenal CEO who used to call me uh, Stevie. He'd bring me into his office, close the door, put out two glasses, and sip a little scotch. He'd tell me how life was going to go. Um, great guy. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was an officer who would let you go, and uh, he'd let you go to the end of your rope. And even if you screwed it up, it was never your fault. He'd come back and say, I didn't train you well enough. I'm accountable for this. Wow. So that is had- an amazing leader right there. He was. I mean, uh, yeah, nothing great. And I'll be honest with you. I had a few that probably weren't so great, but a majority of them were just phenomenal. Or they just recognized, going, here's his strength. May not be everybody else's, but yeah. we're going to capitalize on this part. Um, um, nice. And then so uh, I did that, got on some great cases there. Um, you know, anthrax, uh, you know, some huge uh, hydrogen sulfide fires, uh, gasoline barges, a couple million gallons on fire. You know, putting, uh, smoke. Being there. Um, yeah, absolutely awesome. Awesome times. And then, uh, but the strike team itself, I remember uh, my uh, captain going, you know, Stevie, you may not like it now, but later on in life, you're going to be thankful you went to the strike team. And that'll lead me into the rest of it. But he was absolutely correct. And the training I received was hands down awesome. I mean, so $100,000 schools. Back up to it. So it's like sulfate fire. It's like the, you're talking the whole ship on fire or what? No, I'm talking like a well. So we responded to uh, not only EPA emergencies, we responded to natural disasters, like okay. after hurricanes, doing hazmat. And then we did, uh, you know, uh, terrorism events. You know, so for example, uh, when the Patriots uh, played the uh, Rams, yeah, I was there on the field on a response team. I've got pictures. Go Patriots. I'm just sorry. Yeah, let's throw that out there. Throw that out there. But anyways, yeah, funny time. So we did stuff like that where I had a whole team uh, because the president was there. So wow. we had an extraction team along with the soft and other entities um, ensuring if something went wrong and then our specific responsibilities in the event it did go wrong. No kidding. That's Yeah, so that's we, we did some awesome. really neat stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, the schooling was phenomenal. A great group of uh, officers enlisted. I still work with one of the people uh, I work with on the uh, strike team. Um, and then it becomes a little incestuous, you know, I'm hiring them, they're hiring me. Anyways, we'll get to that. So yeah, yeah interesting times. Um, and then after that, uh, shoot, uh, I got uh, again, hand selected. Uh, this is right after 9-11. Um, oh, I responded to 9-11 from uh, the Gulf Strike Team in Mobile, Alabama. We were there 17 hours after the uh, crashes. Uh, Atlantic Strike Team was there first. We were there behind them with uh, follow-up equipment and doing all that. Um, so we were there when the streets were still empty and there's, you know, papers and credit cards and pieces and stuff. So uh, I, I had an opportunity to uh, to be part of that, you know, negative as well as positive. Um, yeah. And then uh, going back to Activities New York, uh, at the time it was Captain Bennis, uh, soon became an admiral. Um, he remembered me from my uh, Activities New York days. And instead of doing strike team stuff, uh, he requalified me to be a boarding officer. And I went out uh, probably day two for two plus weeks, boarding every ship with a tacklet that came into New York. So we oh, would uh, take positive control. Um, we'd, we'd roust everybody, put them all in the galley. Um, we'd have uh, key members in the bridge, engine room to make sure nothing went wrong. And then we searched the ship stem to stern. Um, found some bad actors. Um, had had some incredibly interesting times. So my one story I remember the most is we had a reserve that was with us. Um, 
who understood the inspection side and paperwork and all that, but he was a corrections officer at Rikers Island in New York. He was our interrogator. So as we were doing, you know, records review and paperwork and uh, credentials, he was our guy. And this man was small in stature, but he owned it, owned it. You know, people come in, yes, sir. Even we'd be like, huh? Yeah, um, just an incredible guy at his job. Um, but we found somebody on uh, uh, the uh, FBI's, uh, you know, wanted list, ended up getting a, an LLC for finding that guy. My whole team did. Um, cool. Just uh, some, some crazy times. Um, sad note, you know, who was the biggest pain when we boarded all the foreign ships didn't have a problem when we boarded it. Believe it or not, the Americans, um, and I hate to say this, they were the biggest pain in the ass because they really? didn't understand since they were Americans why we were thinking they were a suspect. We didn't care. Wow. You know, everybody got boarded um, before we let them into the port. Um, and then we found some crazy stuff, just some dumbass people. For example, uh, I remember one stateroom we went in, had a giant picture of George Bush um, with an X through it, you know, saying, we'll kill you. Eh, error in judgment. Your, your yeah. day got really ugly quickly. Yeah. Um, to finding weapons that weren't supposed to be there, to, you know, hazardous materials that weren't supposed to be there, to, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. Interesting time. So, uh, uh, anyway, so back to Coast Guard headquarters. I transferred again after the, uh, doing the strike team thing. Um, I was in charge of, uh, after 9 11, I went to the uh, deep water requirement shop. And this is probably before your time. The deep water was the uh, Coast Guard's modernization project with Lockheed Martin, and they were going to redo the ships, redo the aircraft, uh, C5 ISR, all those pieces that go along with it. But after 9-11, they had no CBR or hazardous materials. So instead of being 50 miles offshore, the whole emphasis moved to shore going outboard, right? Within oh, wow. our, you know, areas of responsibilities. Okay. So I was brought in to do the CBR hazmat side of the house. Um, so... I went into a shop that was nothing but ship drivers. Um, I got actually, once I got there, I'd uh, been selected uh, a short time later for uh, 04. They frocked me. Admiral Allen, who at the time was the uh, chief of staff, had to sign off on me being frocked. They don't frock lieutenants in headquarters. <laughs> you know, just doesn't happen. But I was there with uh, Admiral Bells and uh, shoot, uh, another admiral and escapes me. And he was just like, I just can't have a lieutenant sitting in the back of the room having all the answers. We, we got to bump this up. <laughs> you know, so uh, they did. So I could go there and <laughs> for whatever reason, I commanded more respect. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but it was pretty cool. Uh, oh, it was Admiral Olson. And he would lean forward and lean back and I'd whisper in his ear. No, we're not. Only from a CBR perspective or, or you know, uh, inspection. So we were looking at advanced technologies, you know, uh, anti-terrorism stuff, all those things how to put it on uh, Coast Guard cutters and, and all those things. So uh, I got involved with that. Um, again, a great learning experience doing all those things. Um, and then uh, I remember my captain, a guy named uh, Glenn Wilshire, another guy that went out as an admiral. When I retired, uh, he used to tease that, that uh, uh, you know, Steve had a, uh, I think something like a unique style or whatever, but the short of it was, is, you know, Steve was a bull in a china shop and everybody's like, Ooh, because this is my retirement. He goes, no, no, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Steve is my bull in the china shop. And that's exactly how we wanted it to happen. Ah. I got that on tape. Oh, right? that's awesome. But at first I was like, ouch, you know, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to slither my way out now. Um, but anyways, I retired. That was 2004. Uh, then I went off to uh, inspect. I uh, got a DOD job doing a contract job. And then I went off to... Uh, 
came back to Coast Guard headquarters uh, doing the same job I did before. I had to wait a year and a half because I had ethics because I, I knew all the money, knew all the contract. I had to wait for all that stuff to spool back out again. Um, and then uh, I actually have done that pretty much ever since. So uh, I've been with the government probably all till uh, 40 years. Jeez. It's a long time. Um, what yeah, a career. For, uh, specialized, yeah, specialized capabilities. Uh, I'm responsible for uh, advanced technologies with respect to uh, chemical biological response, you know, specialized suits, response uh, tactics, uh, technique, procedures. I write all those. We do the policy. Uh, I'm a group of uh, a couple uh, government guys and uh, three uh, contractors. And still going. Good yeah. Lord. So I got, I got a subcontract, started my own company, and, you know, I, I got a couple years left, and we'll see what happens after that. That's awesome. Steve, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, um, like, that's a, just an incredible career. Like, start to finish. I was, but Swimmer did everything. That's the part. It taught me. It honestly taught me that it was okay. To, hey, stand up and, you know, the worst answer you get is no, lean forward. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't thank uh, – I can't thank all my leaders more, whether it was an officer, you know, uh, you know, the master chiefs, other chiefs, you know, um, they, they let me run forward. So my parting gift, you ever heard all that stuff? Everybody had Rolex watches. Uh, yes. That was Steve Ober. So I was at Elizabeth city. Um, Thanks, Steve Ober. have to correct this, but the gist of it was, is that we were looking for a decent watch and Harold and Olaf and all those guys will tell you later. We always had cool watches, everything from citizen, you know, some, all cool watches, you know, that third classes had no right to be sported. Um, but anyways, the gist, uh, I keep saying the gist, but uh, Mastery Farm was like, somebody researched a watch, let's see what we could do. We thought out of the box and maybe I had help from others, I really don't remember, but we ended up calling up the uh, SEALs at uh, Little Creek and asked what watch do they use? Because if it's good enough for a SEAL, it's got to be good enough for us. Yeah. Um, and it turns out in the national stock system, at the time, it was Rolex cases, two-door watches were all available for three, 400 bucks. So we ordered everyone in the shop, as well as the EO, ops, other appropriate people, everybody got a Rolex. So that's where that all started. Oh my so I had third-class petty officers right out of A school having a watch that nobody had, deserved to have. They had no business wearing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I don't have mine anymore. I, you know, I, I ultimately get, but I mean, we had citizens. Uh, my favorite watch was a, uh, a Seiko, uh, just a regular dive watch. I had that for years. Actually, in some of the pictures, that's the watch you see wearing. I still have that to the day and it still works. Oh, I love it. I love it. Right. Love so having anyways, a good watch. Yeah. And ultimately it came to Mass Chief Farmer uh, allowing us to do that. Um, and then, uh, but we had to lock the watches up. It, it was funny. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> And if you were really special, you didn't have a black bezel or a black uh, dial. You got one of the blue or the green ones. We didn't get those. I don't know who did, but it wasn't us. (laughs) EO, XO, uh, go right down the list. I don't know. Maybe Chief. I can can either either confirm confirm or or deny. deny. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, Steve. This has been awesome. This has been so awesome. You know, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, before I let you go, if you don't mind, with your incredible career and everything you've gone through, even now, to pass on a little something to the younger guys, guys coming up, even guys that are in the middle of it right now, what what would you tell them? Look towards your future, right? 
make sure you have a plan. Don't, don't arrive at your end and not have a plan. And I've seen that a lot of times. Um, you're capable of so many things. The other part is, is we're all very good within our jobs. Realize you're going to be good at tremendous other things. You just got to apply yourself. It takes work. Do the work. Do the That's work. It. Yes. Apply yeah. yourself and do the work. Ah, beautiful. I, I don't have anything better. And good things will come to you. May not be perfect. May not be what you want. But it, it will come if you do the work. I try to do the work, Steve. Okay. I yeah. try to. I try. I, yeah. I'm super <laughs> impressed going while wow, you're doing podcasts. By the way, you're, you're flying. I've got, wow. Um, yeah, and still doing it. Although whatever yeah. water you're drinking and what are you, 24, 25? Um, oh, thank you. No, 43, <laughs> but I'll go with that. 25. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you're looking good. You know, it's um, uh, it's it's my wife. She makes me put on this face lotion and uh, it keeps me young. I'm, I'm going to give all the credit uh, to her for that one. <laughs> It's 61. I guess the other thing I'd say is don't put off stuff. If you actually get hurt, you know, in my day, you blew it off and motored through it. There's a time and a place for that. But, you know, as a guy that's had uh, two uh, full knee replacements and a hip replacement, most of which stem from my early injury that we talked about earlier in the show, it yeah. just compounded over the years in abuse. Make sure you get all that stuff looked at, you know, and, uh, you know, have a plan. Um, and I'm not saying stop what you're doing, but just recognize it. The, the 3,200 uh, milligrams of Motrin a day are not a good answer. True statement. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, these stories have been insane. They're just awesome. I know we've been here a long time. I've enjoyed every bit of it just sitting down with you. It, it's been awesome. So first, thank you again so much for just coming on and, and sharing everything you just shared. with me. It was amazing. So thank you. And I can't appreciate it enough. I mean, this opportunity was, uh, you know, awesome. Thanks for, uh, for making me smile and reminisce stuff that, uh, you know, was so long ago. And, and again, here's my uh, uh, disclaimer. Uh, I might have embellished or over or under, but it should be pretty close. And I'm, then, a, uh, I'm okay with thank that. Thank you so much. It was absolutely my pleasure. My pleasure. And I promise you that we will be in touch uh, outside of this. When I come down to North Carolina, I'll, I'll see if I can't give you a holler. Come in. We'll drink a beer. And that would be awesome. I'd love to uh, share some more stories that, uh, you know, we didn't get caught for. Maybe we'll, we'll keep the ones that are related to R offline. And <laughs> yeah, right. The one that'll still, that'll still incriminate me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That one, that one. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep, yeah, yeah. We'll save that for later. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. Yeah.